What's happening? It's Young Hove and you're listening to Reviews and Done with your host, Derek Dunn. Hey, yo, Dunn, son. Start the show. <laughs> Peace and blessings, world. Welcome to another episode of Reviews and Done with your host, Derek Dunn. My guest today is a member of Black Street, in addition to having his own solo career. Please welcome to the line, Mr. Jay Styles. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, man, I'm great, man. Just, you know, trying to stay clean, washed up, and and masked on. <laughs> yeah, man, that's all you can do, brother. It's um, I've been working from home, you know, for my regular job since March. And, you know, I don't foresee uh, things ever going back to normal anytime soon, but you know, like my son always says, despite, you know, the negative side of what's happened with the COVID, you know, everything does happen for a reason. And I'm I'm under the impression that God knows what he's doing with this COVID thing. So all we can do is uh, stay prayed up, try and find the silver lining in this COVID, no matter, you know, what it is, and just keep on, you know, praying and trying to stay positive. I mean, I've gotten so accustomed to be at home myself. Like, I don't miss going to concerts. I don't miss going to the movies. And, you know, as a blogger and a published film critic, that's something I have to do is, you know, go out a lot. But, man, after, like, the first 30 days, like, you know, it was just like, you know, all right, cool. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in the house. The same with one. Well, let me the, say um, this. Not, not to cut you off, so let me say this. You said that, that uh, the normal thing, um, and it's not going to go back to normal. I think it's going to be, a, you know, a, a new normal. I think, you yep. know, when the flu first came out, you know, I always talked to my daughter. I you would joke to her about everything was a trial and error. You know, she would go back to the Bible days. The first man who jumped in the water didn't hold his breath. He died. You know what I'm saying? So here comes the flu. When the flu way back in the day, you know, they didn't have medication for that. They didn't know what it was, you know. So they, they try to treat things and, you know, trial and error until it worked. This is a different type of disease. Of course, it's bigger than everything because we don't know how to stop it. And once we get, you know, some type of remedy or some type of, uh, I guess, medication or whatever for it, I, I know I, I believe that, you know, God is trying to shake us up and, because, you know, we've messed with this world long enough, and if we keep shaking the world, the world's going to shake. You know what I'm saying? It's going gonna, it's gonna to move no for real. And I think, you know, that's what's going on now. We have been moved. Oh, yeah, totally. It, it'll be I, a I new totally norm. Agree. It won't be normal, but it, it'll be a new norm. Oh, yeah, yes, I, I totally agree. Um, one of the things that, you know, I was happy to see when this whole thing started initially was um, you saw so much of the family unit coming back together. You know, mm-hmm. you see people posting stuff on social media, like having family dinners together, you know, fellowshipping on Sunday together as a family, going on walks when you could, exercising in the house. And, you know, a lot of that, at least in my opinion, kind of swayed away recently, just because, you know, not because it was intentional, but just because folks are so busy, you know, with life and you really don't have the, I guess, the time to slow down and say, you know what, I'm just going to chill with the family tonight. I mean, you know, I would see a lot of my, a lot of the homies posting videos where they were having like uh, wee battles with, you know, father and son against mom and daughter, or they would be having right. dance parties, you know, in the basement. So, you know, that, that was the one good thing about, the COVID, in my opinion, was that, you know, the family really kind of got restored. So, and I totally agree with you. Right, you right. said I that, agree. you know, I this world has um, been doing a lot, and we really got to get back to what's important, which sometimes, you know, it's the basics of life. All right, I'm with you. I am with you on that. And that's the new norm. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right, my brother. Well, you know, we're going to get right into it. I want to, you know, hear all about your musical talent. You know, in addition to being a black street, you are a very accomplished solo artist, a very accomplished uh, musician. So you grew up in the church, and you, your mother was a choir director. 
and I understand, you know, that you can play the drums as well as the piano. So back in my day, you know, man, I, I tried to learn how to play the sax way back in 1992. <laughs> I only lasted maybe a month, a month and a half. So as a musician, for you, what was easier to learn how to play, the drums or the piano? Um, I think the drums, uh, because of the, I think everything is rhythm. The piano, um, I think I was five years old. My sister would take piano lessons and, you know, I'd be in the other room playing a little basketball or whatever I'm playing, um, in my room. And when the piano teacher left from her, I would literally go play with, she was trying to learn how to play. And I think my mom and dad, you know, started taking an ear to that or whatever. Uh, she fell off, didn't, you know, when we moved to Charlotte from Columbus, Ohio. Um, she, you know, stopped taking piano lessons and whatever, and the piano was just around. And I started playing the piano and making up my own songs. Never really took any lessons, but made up my own songs and started really, really picking up everything. One morning I woke up. My dad had three keyboards in the corner. He had a drum set in, in the other corner and a whole bunch of speakers and uh, microphones on the other one. But the, the speakers and microphone was for my mom and her gospel group that I played the drums for. So um, just always been around it. Uh, at one time, um, when I was real, real young, my mom and dad sang in a group together, actually, a gospel group together. So, but yeah, I've been around it a, a while. You know, it's in the blood, I guess you could say that. No doubt. So... Do you read music or do you play by ear? Oh, strictly by ear. Um, just, you know, I always tell people music is a vibe and a feeling. Um, even uh, I would say uh, half the greats, more than half the greats in, in the genre that I, you know, play in, uh, uh, from gospel to R&B, um, you can be technical and you can know theory and all that, but if you don't have that feel, it won't feel right. <laughs> so uh, I'm not saying that I like, you know, like musicians that uh, just go by feel, but I, I put it this way. I need more feel than I need more technical. So, no, I, I don't read. Uh, I just play by ear and just the God-given give, gift that he gave me. I can totally respect that. So, um, you know, I got to ask, man, about the um, – early secular inspirations and nearly everyone that I've interviewed um, recently, they always, always, you know, drop the name Stevie Wonder and the songs and the Key of Life album. So who were some of those early inspirations? Oh, man. Um, it's crazy. So, uh, all right. So before I got and then, you know, was introduced to R&B because I wasn't allowed to listen to R&B when I was a kid. So John P. Key in the gospel world was my, like, idol. Um, and then uh, I would say, shoot, I, man, I love uh, one day from Boys to Men. Everyone, Dave Hollister tell you that every time he sees my head move up in the air while I sing, he always calls Wandy. They go, Wandy, brother. Um uh, Brian McKnight, I was a big fan of Brian McKnight. Uh, uh, of course, Stevie Wonder. Michael Jackson, his passion and his deliverance on every note, like how he approached um, a, a phrase or a note was just just so – like it was so unique. Uh, James Brown. So you remember I told you I wasn't allowed to listen to R.B. So one day I'm watching TV and – I hear this is a man's world. And I thought this dude, all he did was scream. <laughs> and so I heard this song, and I, I don't know what I was doing. I just stopped to look at the TV, and I was like, nah, nah, that ain't just, what? And I just, I, I, I had a new level of respect for the dude. And then that's where, it's, it's crazy because you hear some influence, uh, like even in any conversation. It's something that I teach when I vocal train artists here in Charlotte about um, the vibe and character, vocal character. So just because you can sing, uh, or, or better yet, let me say this, 
just because a person is singing staccato notes or really fast notes or whatever uh, doesn't mean the artist really can't sing. It's just this song or this phrase uh, requires this type of vocals, this type of feeling like the Michael Jackson. Uh, again, I thought your boy uh, uh, James Brown was a screamer. I didn't think he could sing until I heard him slow it down, and I was like, oh, my God. So, I mean, I, I, I'm inspired, and I was inspired by just dope singers, like, you know, uh, those old and the, the, the young. Uh, of course, like I said, I had a, a great big gospel and church background. So anyone who gave me something that I needed to, to you know, grab in my repertoire, my, my vocal abilities or whatever, that's that's what inspired me. Yeah, man, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Wanye from Boys to Men. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you get in debates and everything, and you kind of go back and forth. But, I mean, I think for me personally, even though I'm a huge New Edition fan, Wanye to me is probably, without a doubt, one of the top three lead singers in any group in any in any genre and i say that that boy is somebody different that boy yeah his vocals is yeah man thank you i met him and it's crazy i met him at a show that we did and it's crazy i met him at a show we did and i said bro just let you know bro i've been called wanye all my life to the point i was such a fan of yours i wanted to name my son wanye but i never had a son (laughs) <laughs> he started cracking up. We took pictures. He said, well, you must be a dope singer then. <laughs> I said, hey, bro. Hey, it is what it is, bro. I said, just know that you are a huge part of why I sing how I sing. And he was like, wow, bro, respect, respect. So it's funny because now I'm actually writing for his sons. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, and I've seen him live, like, numerous times, and they did a show here. It was my, I think, my 35th birthday back in 2016. They did a show at the Kennedy Center here in D.C., and it was, um, they were backed by an orchestra. And, like, to hear Juan Yates, you know, sing a acapella over, like, um, you know, harps and just, like, actually singing notes. Not like singing, you know, sing. You know what I'm talking about when I say you can sing a note, (laughs) sing sing a chord. Again, Wanye is like a bad, just easily one of the top three, just vocally of any group and any genre. I will put Wanye against anybody when it comes to straight singing. So shout out to Wanye Morris of uh, Boyz II Men for 30 plus years of great music. Yeah, man. So yeah. growing up in the yeah. church, you know, you're playing music and everything. Mm-hmm. Was music something that you always wanted to pursue as a career, even if it had just been from, say, a gospel standpoint? <laughs> man, I I was I thought I was going to be a Dallas Cowboy football player, bro. <laughs> football was everything to me, like literally like, you know, how you're a kid and as a boy you'd play with, like, your little G.I. Joe or He-Man or whatever, your action figures. Well, I didn't fight with mine. I played football with mine. Like, I was such a, a football fan. And, and uh, I just – ninth grade, I, I, um, I was putting my drumsticks up from band class, and I was humming, and a guy heard me hum. And he was like, yo, you, you sing? And I was like, uh, uh, a little bit. I'm in church and play the key. He said, yo, man. My uh, he was like my one of my group members just got kicked out of school, you know, for getting in trouble. We need a fourth member. The talent shows next week. I was like, man, I'm not allowed to listen to R&B. Da, da, da. And he was like, well, just I mean, it's not a bad song. Now, now you're gonna hear the Wanye story. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's not a it's not a you know a, a bad song or whatever. It's how do I say goodbye to yesterday by Boys to Men. So that was my first connection to it. And so my dad had just got laid off, so he was actually the custodian at my school, 
that's what allowed me to stay after school without him really, really knowing what I was doing. And I stayed after school. I learned the record and went back home and played it on the keys and found out they were harmonizing, but they weren't singing it like boys and men. Went back and kind of taught them the right harmony. They was like, oh, wow. We go to wash our hands, and I'm hearing this dude, the lead singer, and I'll tell you, need a minute. Bring my and I'm like, yo, he was moving his head just like one. I, I've never, even though I played drums and piano for churches and my mom group, I never heard or even take, took notice of anybody singing like that and doing using their voice with all this color and running and and riffing and all. I never and I was like, I gotta I gotta learn how to do that. I left football alone and anything else alone, and every day. I, from, I think, from the age of 15, my parents tell you, every day from the age of 15 to, like, 19, from like 18, I came home, and I literally, like, vocal trained myself and mimicked Wanye, Casey, JoJo, uh, Tony Thompson from High Five, and you name it. That's how, that's how it started. One bumped into me. God, God ordained somebody to bump into me. You named up one of the greats, man, Mr. Uh, Tony Thompson, uh, mm. amazing singer who we who we um, didn't get to see his full potential because Tony was a bad boy. I know. Listen, I had his number before before he passed. Him and I was really building, and uh, and yeah, that, that yeah, bro, yes, yeah. Um, yes. When I interviewed um Troy Taylor. Last month, and because I asked Troy about one of the songs wrote for Tony on Tony's very underrated solo album from '95 called uh, "Man," and Troy was like, uh, "To this day, we haven't heard another voice like Tony." Because if you go back and listen to "Kissing Game," and mm-hmm. then you know when he was like 14, 15, but before he passed, you know he did a cover of. Donny Hathaway's wrong mm-hmm. note. And the man killed the Donny Hathaway joint. And you would think somebody know, that's singing that high couldn't sing Donny the way that he's saying it. So, yeah, man, Tony was an amazing talent that we lost to you soon. So shout out to Tony Thompson from uh, High Five. Relax in paradise, Rest bro. in peace, bro. Absolutely. Rest in peace, bro. Absolutely. So speaking of yes, groups, sir. you know, I heard, you know, prior to Blackstreet, you were in another group called uh, Soothing Touch. <laughs> what can you tell me about that? Oh, man, I was the last member put in that group. Uh, it's crazy. I auditioned Tony Thompson, um, Quality Time, to get in that group. <laughs> it was my best friend's group um, that I grew up with. He's still my best friend. I've been knowing him since I was uh, uh, six, and he was five. My boy Fred Heath. Uh, but uh, he always, we both found out we could sing kind of around the same time. And he was like, yo, I got a group, man. You should get in. And they was like, nah, man, it's, we, we got two weeks, four of us, man. We we ain't getting on another person. And uh, I, I sung a piece, and one of the dudes was like, bro, he in my group. I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but he in my group. So I got in the group, and, uh, you know, we, we had shows just about every single weekend, man. Uh, and... I always tell I tell my my writers and my producers uh, under my wing and you know artists that I work with at my studio. I said I always say that God is preparing you for every next level of your life. You just got to pay attention. Well, and when I say what I mean by that is, with this gospel group, we practice every single weekend for a show every single weekend. So my work ethic was was being you know. I was being groomed for the work ethic that I was going to have to do with Teddy Riley, Blackstreet, and, and, and the industry itself, because everyone knows how, you know, a perfectionist, if you know Ted, that, that's how perfectionist, you know, that work that workhorse stuck in the studio. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's Susan Touch. That's, that's, that, was, that was the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> so did Susan Touch ever come close to – Secure a deal, or did you guys ever open up for anybody um, <sighs> that came through, like Charlotte? No, well, uh, <laughs> wow. 
you know what? That's not even in my bio. So I met at a um, at a music store. I met a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy named Harvey Austin. That's actually who introduced me to Teddy. Well, I was singing in a gospel group, and of course, back then, you know, gospel groups really wasn't super big, and the gospel industry wasn't really, you know, really, really hitting like that. So he was like, yo, y'all are amazing, but I, I don't know what to do with y'all. Um, but, you know, if y'all ever start decide to sing R&B, let me know. So that was the only close thing that we did besides, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, one more, I'm sorry. We were supposed to sing for the uh, Olympics. I don't know what you exactly won, uh, but our manager kind of messed that up um, at that time, you know. Shout out to him for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, later later on, uh, like a year after I met Harvey Austin, I, I was, you know, basically auditioning for Blackstreet and kind of uh, got a real, real good look from Ted at that but didn't get in the group until two years later after that as well. So that's a, but that's down, basically – go ahead. I, 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 I was going to say that. I was saying before we get into um, Black Street and, you know, the legendary Mr. Teddy Riley, um, I just want to shout you out for, um, you know, talking about R&B and talking about secular music. And, you know, it's always a fine line, but – I think one of the things that I discovered, you know, as I came to my own as an adult and when I got older, a lot of 70s and 80s, you know, even some stuff in the 90s, R&B that was, you know, considered secular could really be a gospel song, especially DeBarge's stuff. Like the stuff mm-hmm. DeBarge was singing about could easily be, be performed in a church because the mess, you know, the music was so pure. Like, stay with me. Right, right. Could be, could be a gospel song. Um, right. You know that's how your girl won. Uh, Yolanda Adams with that Talk to Me record. She never really made it clear that it was God. She never made it clear that it was a man or whatever or friend she was talking to. So she left it open, and it felt like one of those songs, the '90s or the '80s songs. That's basically what you're saying. Like it was, it yeah. was kept kind of open, and it was a feel good feel, and you just loved it for what it was. So I get it. I, I, I there was a lot of songs back then, like that. So I get it. I mean, even take it back to the uh, the whispers, you know, Olivia lost and turned out. You could easily flip that into a gospel joint as a cautionary tale, mm. and a chicken turkey wow. play. So people wow. out there, don't wow. put my idea. Cause I might, I might write that down for the future. All right, so you know we're going to get into Teddy Riley and Blackstreet. So let us know how you uh, linked up with the legend himself, Mr. Teddy Riley, to become a member of Blackstreet. Wow. So, um, so like I said, um, I auditioned for uh, with Harvey Austin um, to be in Blackstreet. Um, at that time, I didn't know any R&B songs, so um, well, not a lot. And so I just wound up singing one of my gospel songs that we actually felt that we were R&G. And we, our music sounded like R&B, so we said it was R&G, rhythm and gospel. Anyway, so I sung it. They stopped me in the middle of the song, out in the middle of the first verse, and told me that I was it. I was it. So anyways, um, they, um, I wound up driving up. I told them I had another friend. Uh, that sings as well, because they were actually about to, Teddy wanted to, a brand new group, and he was going to name it Black Street, and he wasn't even going to be in it. It was going to be brand new four. It was going to be basically called the Final Four. Well, anyway, so we go up there, and um, I didn't have any demos, no nothing to sing, so they introduced me to this producer, Steve Mayfield. Shout out to Steve Mayfield in Charlotte, North Carolina, my homie. Anyways, uh, we recorded like five, six records, me and my uh my homeboy Fred, we drove up to um, Virginia Beach with Harvey Austin, and we performed. Uh, we uh, played the records. He had two other members, I think a dude named Lonnie and Lazelle, that was supposed to be in the group. 
and um, <laughs> he was laughing and, you know, touching and whispering in people's ears because he played some record that he had did for Tyrese, and I was just, I was singing all over. Any record that he played, I sung on top of the artist that was, was playing. I didn't know the record, but I was singing ad-libs all over, and he was just like, yo, look at this dude, man. Look at this dude. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, he got a call from Michael to go work on a, on a project for Michael. Um, so we went back home. But when we went back home, a month or two later, Harvey Austin passed away. We had no contact to get back in, in, in with that. So two years later, two or three years later, um, oh, you know what? Actually, almost four years later, I'm in Charlotte. I moved from back from New York. I was living in New York. I moved back from Charlotte, and I'm singing for a wedding in Fayetteville. And I get a call from Kitty Quiller, who actually was best friends with uh, Tony Thompson, who was uh, close to Ted as well. Anyway, he he called me. He's like, yo, man, um, Ted has been looking for you, um, but he's not sure if it's you because you changed your name, da 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 And I told him that y- you named him Styles. So he don't remember that, but can you sing for him on his voicemail? So I sung him a uh, record on a voicemail. Next thing you know, I'm in, uh, in Virginia Beach. Mark and Eric uh, comes over to the house, and I audition for them. And the rest is history. I got in the group after that. First show was in Connecticut. Dope. Yeah. Hey, so you mentioned oh, the, oh, um, so the audition. I, I'm sorry. The audition was I had to play. He played for about an hour some same chords, and I remixed. I had like 20, maybe 20 records written but never recorded, and I just remixed, even if it was a fast song, I remixed them all to that one record. So from there, he actually talked to his lawyer and signed me as a writer and a producer as well. So, And then I had my first one. <laughs> yeah, legendary um, Teddy and, you know, the legendary Blackstreet. At, at 2020, you know, Blackstreet de- debuted in 94. The first album, of course, you know, they had a single in 93. But I really don't think folks stateside have any idea just how big Blackstreet was, especially on a worldwide level. Well, you know, I mean, over in the U.K., over overseas, they just love R.B. as it is anyway. So, of course, they're going to Right. They're still on regular rotation over there. Like, like yeah, old school records are still on – like, they're crying when we go over there. They're, they're crying, like, literally in tears – uh, faces on billboards when we go over there. It, like, it's, yeah, it's real, real over there. <laughs> yeah, man, I, um, I'm a Air Force vet, and my first duty station was in, um, was in England. So, I, you know, I was a DJ over there, and I could go over there, and, um, you know, I would always close out my my sets with, you know, a slow jam, because, you know, I'm in, I'm in the balance of slow jams. So, man, I could play... Um, Never Gonna Let You Go, or I Want to Be Your Man, or even from the first album, I Fall in Love Again, and more of the Brits knew, knew those songs than the American audiences. So, I mean, it's timeless music right there. So as right, a member right. of Black, you know, I got to ask, man, you know, what's your favorite song to perform live with the group? Oh, wow. Joy has always been my favorite. I have a solo at the end where it's just me and the keyboard. And uh, for those who've seen me perform, I scream to the top of my lungs to the highest note that I can hit uh, up there, and I come down off of it. Uh, and then the, the the drums and all the music stop, and you know the crowd's roaring or whatever. But um, there's times where um, Literally in that record, when I'm singing that, I uh, and I wrote this on uh, my social media, one of my uh, posts, that there's times when I'm performing that record where I climb all the way in the character, and I'm thinking about you know the one I love, my daughter or whatever, uh, like literally going in, um, and like I, there's times when there's tears in my eyes. Or there's been times when I wake, when I open my eyes and I'm seeing someone else have a smile 
slash tears in their eyes as well. So I love that record. I love that record. I love performing that record. I enjoy the classic drum too. And, you know, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how even though, you know, it's an R&B ballad, it can easily be, you know, a gospel song. Right, absolutely. Yep, yep, that's on the Depending on whatever your faith is, whenever you believe, you know, some people believe that, you know, God is a woman. So, you know, you never know um, what, type, what type of music somebody's going to, the effect's going to have on you. Right. Years later. Because, I mean, for Joy to be right. 20, 26 years old, well, right. <laughs> Joy, before I let you go, really the first two Blackstreet albums are better than some folks' entire catalog that came out after them. <laughs> I'm not going to say any names, but you know who you are. But um, like, but yo, that's that, the, I, that's that dude Teddy. Yeah, you I, can put I, on I ain't the album. Everyone so, else, the singers executed, but that's that, that's that mastermind, Teddy. Teddy Riley. I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh yeah, genius. I I just mm-hmm. undisputed um, one of the uh, one of the all time greatest producers of all time. I um, you know. As a film person, I've always said if um, Teddy to me is somebody, if they ever read Teddy's life story, I hope it's something like a uh, 10-part Netflix series because there's just <laughs> so much that Teddy's done. You know, right, right, he, absolutely. He's been telling the story in two hours. And I'm like, you know, my, go, you know, my vision, if, if I was, you know, still pursuing a film career, I'd have it like 10 parts and, you know, I'd have something – an episode focusing on the guy stuff, an episode focusing on Blackstreet, an episode focusing on Michael, an episode focusing on Cool Mo D and, um, and Kane. Then I would get into Jane Child. Like, dude's resume is just, you know, right, expanding. Right. So shout out to Blackstreet and thank you, Teddy, and thank you for providing all these um, amazing years of music. So outside Absolutely. of Blackstreet, outside of your solo career, you've also written for other artists. So one of the songs you wrote was Leave You Alone from Slim. I'm sorry, Leave You Alone by Slim from 112 on Slim's first solo album back in 2008. 2008. So how was working with Slim from 112 on that track? Oh, it's crazy because um, I was in New Jersey uh, working with JoJo Brim um, and Talia, Talia Coles. And, um, and uh, anyways, uh, I remember recording it. Uh, he, he actually wasn't um, in New Jersey. I, I think he was in, still in Atlanta or whatever. But it was great, man. Um, I don't even think he recognized that it was me who wrote the track. My government name was on there. When uh, One day we did a show, and I was like, and I started singing. He's like, yeah, that's dope. You know the record. I said, yeah, I wrote it. He said, what? I said, yeah, boy. I said, actually, we even spoke on the phone about it. I said, maybe you just didn't. I don't even, maybe I didn't say the name, but it was dope, man. He's mad cool, mad humble, like very, very humble. Uh, So it was fun, man. It was fun. It was fun. He actually uh, bought two records of mine as well. But, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so if you guys have never heard Slim's quality debut album back in 08, Love's Crazy, check it out. And, you know, Mr. Jay Styles wrote the song, Leave You Alone. Yes, yes, So your production company is called Star Globe Media. What was the inspiration behind that name? Well, actually, it shifted into uh, Star Globe Entertainment now, but um, Star Globe Media is still in effect. But um, I just, I just wanted something to, you know, stand out, uh, shoot for the stars. Uh, I was on the phone with a friend of mine named Mark Jones, and uh, I was talking about, you know, creating a company, and I was just throwing out names to him. And when he heard, he was like, "Yo, that's that sounds like a winner," and uh, you know, it just stuck, you know. It just stuck, you know, shoot for the stars. So I, I kept it. <laughs> cool, cool. So it's July, and you know that um, 
well, I don't think they do it so much anymore, but, you know, when I was growing up, man, they always talked about Christmas in July. So where I'm going with that is one of my favorite genres of music is Christmas R&B music. I mean, as soon as, like, one November hits, you know, I go ahead and I resync my iPod, show my age, I say an iPod, call my Christmas R&B music. You know, I keep the Temptation Silent Night on rotation. Of course, uh, Alexander Neal's Christmas album, My Gift to You. And my man, Jay Styles, you know, you got two Christmas songs yourself. Christmas Without You and You're All, you're all the One for Christmas. Now, for both those songs, right. were personal experience? Um, no, um, it's crazy because uh, I just had a, a a conference call with my management and my creative director earlier today about building up some content uh, for my YouTube page. And, uh, and he wants me to speak on how I come up with concepts because I write a whole video in my head before I even put the pen to the pad. So a lot of times when I write, I'm looking at, I have this big screen TV in my, my studio, and I'm looking at the TV screen or whatever, and it, it might be on mute, but I just need to see some vibes. I need to see her smile. I need to see him look at her and, and fall in love or whatever, or I need to see her miss, uh, him miss her or whatever. So that, that was my purpose for, for, you know, writing that record as at the end of the day, you know, how many people are missing someone that they can't be home uh, be at home with uh, how many soldiers, you know, wish they could come home for, for the holidays, you know. All I want for Christmas is you. And then, of course, um, the other one is Christmas without uh, without you is a, a breakup who, you know, wish he had her back or whatever. And Yeah. So not not really personal experience, but, you know, trying to reach the masses and be different. You know, everyone has regular love songs and you know, I, I try to push the envelope on being a little different with my records. You ever flirted with doing a full-on Christmas album? I don't know. Um, I was thinking about doing one more, uh, which would be actually four. I actually have another record with an uh, artist with Jamar, which is called, uh, oh, shoot, what is that Christmas record called? Uh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, it's, and it's a dope record too. It's it's he's a rap artist, I'm a you know R&B artist, and it's not the uh, the typical rap type uh, screaming at you or whatever, or really spitting <laughs> some some street stuff. It's real like real Christmas time. Got the bells in there, or whatever. So I don't know. I, maybe I'll do a whole Christmas album and and sell it like that. Uh, uh, I don't know. My my lot my band has been uh, kind of pushing me to do one so we could do a whole full. Uh, Christmas tour, uh, uh, God willing, this COVID situation disappears on us or it gets handled or whatever you call it. So we can go back on the road and do some more shows. Yeah, I think you can Maybe I, I will. Sound as your pin game is and just your um, termination. And as they say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I think where a lot of artists sometimes go wrong with Christmas albums is they focus on traditional Christmas music and not mm-hmm. really mixing up like the way that you did. That's why I always tell folks, you know, if you've never heard, once again, I'm drop name drop, Alexander O'Neill's Christmas album, My Gift to You from 1988, mm-hmm. the stuff that Jim and Lewis gave this brother was like, you can play it year-round. Now, you know, of course, you know, that's right, right, right. on you know, it might be kind of odd hearing, you know, like taking a sleigh ride, you know, in the month of June, but the the groove is so infectious. Like, I think the album right. has 10 songs, and he he did maybe like two standards. You know, everything else on that album is nothing but original music, and it's just, you wow. know, dope. Wow. So, you know, that's dope. Let's get into these uh, these other joints, man. Uh, single woman syndrome and Henny conversation. So you mentioned um, you have the television screen in your studio. So what was that vibe you were going with for single woman syndrome and Henny conversation? Oh man! So 
single woman syndrome, um, one of my female best friends, uh, Benita Davis, she was driving down from Raleigh, North Carolina, and she had a track. And she was just like, yo, man, as soon as she got in, we were supposed to write on something brand new. She said, yo, I think I got 50% of it done. So I was like, let me hear it. So she said, I'm going to need you to sing this. I said, okay, I sung it. And I'm like, yo, so we want to finish, and then we were going to sell the record, maybe place it with Neo or whatever, get it on his album, whatever. And next thing you know, I think my daughter was like, yo, man, I like the record. Yo, and my manager at the time was like, yo, it's, it's pretty dope, man. So we took a chance and, you know, just put it out. Let's, let's, let's just throw it out. Let's put a video behind it. And it, to be honest with you, Single Woman Syndrome is about a woman who's um, seen a lot of uh, mess in relationships, so she's afraid of it. Of course, she's went through a breakup, and it wasn't super bad, but she saw so much, you know, bad in her friend's relationship, TV and all that. So she was like, you know, y'all can have that. So but even throughout her whole life, she started feeling like, you know, uh, over painting a picture as, she, as if she's happy and, and content with her money and, and her job and her career, but she's really actually lonely. So that's what the single woman syndrome was about. You guys need to go check out the video as well. Single woman featuring Jay Styles. It's, it's really dope. It's really dope. Really, really dope. Really dope. Oh, so Henny Conversation, that's what you, you were asking that as well. Henny Conversation, of course, kind of self-explanatory. You know, it's one of those very grown and sexy, sexy records. Um, uh, a writer friend of mine named True, uh, we were actually working out in the gym in Atlanta. I came out of the gym, got in the car, and she got a text from a friend who was telling her about some dude drunk texting him. And she read it. The, she said, look at this, man. This sounds like some mini conversation. I said, what did you say? I said, chick, that's my next record. <laughs> so I went, uh, went to my manager's house, Princeton's uh, studio, and uh, set up my keyboard and everything, and I started doing a track. Um, she came back downstairs. We wrote the record together. Any conversation? That's how it came through. Cool. So, you know, you mentioned um, Neo, so, you know, and selling a song to him. So I got to ask you uh, this question. I'm going to go off track really quick. So Stevie Wonder, Charlie Wilson, and Johnny Gill all approach you to cover Single Woman Syndrome. Who are you going to give the song to first? All right, say the names again. Stevie Wonder. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I ain't even got it yet. Charlie Wilson all day. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Sorry. <laughs> Shout out to Uncle uh, all day. Shout out to Uncle Charlie. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, how often does that, um, as a writer, I've always, as, as, as a writer and as a music fan, I've always been curious, how does that, um, does that work? when you In your writing process, do you ever, like, um, sit down and say, this song be good for this artist, you know, I'm not going to keep it for myself. I'm going to try to sell this uh, so-and-so because, you know, they might sing it better than I would. Well, um, how do I say this? Uh, it, it becomes a business. Um, I can imagine that there's actors who write a film that feel like, you know what, dang, man, I love this for myself. I, I, could, I could rock this out, but you know what, somebody else could – uh, how do you say it, uh, deliver it better. Um, or better yet, if they are in a bigger light or they're getting a lot of love right now, let me – it's almost like a, a, um, a football team was shooting or, or a basketball team. If, if he's hot right now, let me let, me let him stay hot. <laughs> and let, let it, if I'm trying to win, let me win with this guy. So that's how, that's how I look at it um, on a business point, from a business standpoint, so. All right, so you recently bust your pen game with your most recent single, the very timely and very much needed Cry for Peace featuring your man, MC, lyricist, Jay Marr. How long did it take you all to write that one, and did you guys find the writing process therapeutic? Huh. Wow. 
uh, I wish he was on here to explain it. The record actually was called Gun Control, and it was his record by himself actually at first. And um, he's, you know, been working with me, coming to my studio. I've been engineering and recording him for a while. And normally I let him rock because, you know, he's pretty dope. He came out of the booth, and he's like, yo, I'm seeing your face. You don't like the record? I was like, yeah, I think it's cool. I just feel like the track is very anthemish, and so the hook and the chorus could be actually bigger. I said, I don't He's like, well, what you hear? And I was like, I keep hearing, something like that, anthemish. He said, all right, well, I, can, you, can you write something? I said, give me, give me a few days. You know, make a long story short, I actually wrote it that night, sent it to him. I literally sung it on the way home from, from the studio that night, driving home, sung it the whole way, just listened to it. He came back. I told him, I said, now you need to change some, some of your lyrics because you're talking about just gun control. I need you to be more political and more, uh, more touching and grabbing the whole masses of this subject, peace, crying for peace. So, uh, and, of course, the first time I performed this record, literally uh, at the end of it, you guys will see the video drop uh, next week. But I literally, uh, the first time I performed it with him, I literally cried. And he, 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 you know, he had the mic in his hand, and we have this whole little sequence that we do, and uh, we're, like, kneeling at the ground on, on one knee. And we wrote this record three years ago, before this uh, pandemic and before this uh, Black Lives Matter or whatever. Uh, we wrote it three or four years ago, and uh, it still hits home and it's still relevant because we've been crying, for, to be honest with you, we've been crying for peace since slavery. So <laughs> speak yeah. on it. It's a, yeah, man, it's, 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 a, it's a terrific song, man. You know, it got me in my emotions a, um, a little bit. And that's, that's the sign of a, um, of a good song is when it can just um, – get you in your emotions when, you know, when you're by yourself. Um, I recently had a friend pass away, and uh, I had uh, gone back and I purchased the Jungle Fever soundtrack, CB Wonder, of course. And so I was driving to work on Saturday morning, and I had heard um, these three words, you know, so many times, like, you know, the scene in Jungle Fever when um, Angie goes in, you know, her dad, beats her for, you know, messing with Wesley Snipes and everything. And what I was going through mentally, but I'm still going through mentally and emotionally, you know, over the loss of my, my, my brother from another, hearing these three words, just like it hit on a different level. Now, like mm-hmm. I've never cried as hard as I did, you know, last Saturday hearing that song. And I've heard that song like numerous times. Cause it's one of my favorite Stevie song. So shout out to y'all, man, for, you know, making a timely song that'll hopefully invoke emotions in some people and the stuff that's much needed for us to really, uh, you know, I don't know, man, I guess to all track a little bit, it's so tough now being a parent in the sense that, you know, raising a young black boy, young black king and having to constantly explain to him you know, there's another one, man. There's another one. There's another one. Like, yeah. So, yeah, man. We need peace in the world, Absolutely. man. We need peace. We got to come together and just, you know, acknowledge the differences. Acknowledge the differences we have with each other. Sometimes, just, you know, ask the question instead of um, making the assumption of what someone's going through or what you know. And I always Absolutely. use the analogy of. Uh, for me, recently, what I've been using analogy of is is food. So, like mm. that, you know, that being said, if I'm in North Carolina, right, just going down there, and I know my man Jay Styles in North Carolina, I'd probably reach out to you via you know social media, I'm like, yo, Styles, man, what's the best place to get some North Carolina barbecue, you know, in your city? Instead of going on Yelp right. or going on TripAdvisor, because I have a source right there and I'm a firm believer if more people would just you know ask you know a person of color ask you know why are people so upset now and we'll explain it to you sometimes you know you have to make that first step to you know find out the truth and find out why somebody's 
thinking the way they're thinking instead of listening to the media or listening to somebody that doesn't know or listening to some names I'm not going to say that are obviously being paid to put out a certain message. That's another conversation for another day. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, right. but, uh, yeah. Once again, folks, if you guys haven't heard of Clapper Peach Chef featuring Jay Marr, check that out on all streaming platforms. Very timely song, very good song. All right, bro. So, you know, we didn't talk about the music career. We didn't talk about how you got your start. You know, before we close out, man, you know, I got to hit you with these hard, like, these questions. And you'd be like, ah, yo, Derek, man, you, 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 you know, confused oh, me. <laughs> so, you know, I got I to give you about, you know, four or five hard questions. So, you know, put that thinking cap because, you know, it could get pretty, uh, pretty right, intense. Talk to me. Talk to me. All right. So All right, I'm a big fan of Bible Picks. Um, who's one artist story you would love to see told in either a miniseries format or on the big screen? <sighs> wow. Uh, that's, a, that's a little tough question right there. Um, I had a joke, but I'm not even going to pull that out because I definitely don't want that on. All right, uh, let me see, let me see. God, that's 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 a little. Oh, I can't wait till they do uh, a doc on um, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, yeah, Stevie's. Um, usually, folks always say Stevie, Donny Hathaway, Prince, or Michael are like the top choices. Of, you know, whenever whenever I ask that question, people always uh, say, "Yeah, Stevie has um." Those four right there, um, you could just take, like, the small section of their life and make a dope mm-hmm. flick. Like, I think with Stevie, right. for me personally, I would love to just see a movie about the making of songs in the key of life. And, you know, you focus solely right. on that because I don't think a lot of folks remember that, you know, before that album, like, you know, Stevie almost passed away in that, in that car accident. But he bounced back. Right, right. And, wow, yeah, right. You know, did songs song in the key of life. So, yeah, I would love to see a making of songs in the key of life and just how he kind of, I think he kind of went through the same thing that Marvin went through when he was on What's Going On with Barry, how he was trying to do the concept album. And Barry wanted something more, you know, straightforward. And even though I'm not a musician or an artist by any means, I can attest to the fact just how hard it is to pull off a concept album and actually tell a story yeah. where each song segues into the next song. So anyone that de- anyone pulls that off, I give my full respect and tip my hat to. So yeah, definitely Stevie Wonder, um, Donny Hathaway, something on Mike, something on Prince. Yeah, love uh, love biopics. Absolutely, absolutely. If you're a gamer. When it comes to gaming, you know, if you have some downtime, are you a PlayStation man or are you an Xbox man? Oh, PlayStation. All day. PlayStation. I like the joystick better. <laughs> now, yeah, we're, we're in a Sony household, too, so you mentioned the Cowboys earlier. I take it you got those uh, A1 skills and um, Madden? So, I just bought... <laughs> got um that was a gift, a Christmas gift for me. Um Madden two thousand twenty. And that was the this this is the first gaming system that I've had in oh man, ten years. The reason being is because I'm finally I'm re- rewarding myself because I'm finally basically about to be finished with my solo project. Well, yeah. I get addicted to games, especially football. I get angry. <laughs> not with not with people, but with myself. But of course, yeah, I I I, I get my uh my Cowboys on on Mad 2000. But I'm I'm still learning on it, still trying to you know, still a little rusty on it. So, but yeah, I used to be a, be- a beast. Yo, I used to be a beast though. Yeah, hey, man. It's like the older we get, man. Like you know, gaming just I don't have the same effect that it used to have. I mean, my son, um, 
I've had the four. Well, I've, I've always I've always been a Sony head since the first PlayStation. But um, you know, we have the four and everything. So my son plays it more than I do, and he constantly asks me like, Dad, can we put the um PS4 in my room? And I'm like, Nope. Why? Like I play more than you do. Like I have all the trophies. You know, I have. I'm gonna be in the games and everything. I'm like, and that's true. But technically, the PS4 is mine. You're just allowed to play on it. That's not fair, Dad. You know, you gave me, you gave it to me for Christmas back in 2015 as an early present. So it's mine. I'm like, nah, man, it's it's not. All right. So this last doozy, you know, I'm gonna I'm flip it on you one more time. This last doozy might uh upset you. So who are your top five NBA players of all time? Um. So. I know people hate me for this, but my favorite person, my favorite player, was actually Isaiah Thomas. My favorite player. Now, the best NBA player, I think, top one, is Michael Jordan. But my favorite player (laughs) was Isaiah Thomas. All right, you got Magic. Uh... You got LeBron. I mean, you got Kobe. You got LeBron. Uh, you said how many? You said yeah. You're starting five. So you're top five. Okay. Top five. Jordan. I know nobody's going to say Isaiah Thomas, but that that's my boy. I'm putting him second. Kobe. LeBron. And Magic. Cool. And I know everybody would say, what the heck is Isaiah doing? (laughs) Hey, that was my favorite person at one time. Now, I think it was a beat. I think so many folks, they want want to throw in their rings and all that. And it's like, um, for me, like, you know, I always say that um, just because somebody's the best, you know, them, all right, somebody's the best. You don't take that away from them, but, like, my favorite, you know, is, is, a, is a totally different subject. And it's like, that's right, why absolutely. they're your favorite because that's, you know, it's your personal thing. Like, you know, I always tell folks, like, you know, my favorite group of all time is New Edition, without a doubt. But vocally, right. you know, vocally – there are a lot of folks that can outsing them, but when it comes to that stage show, that right, right, and all that, absolutely, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. A whole new level. I, I, cool. Yeah, it's, it's so, who you like. No doubt. So I hope like. you folks enjoyed hearing Mr. J. Styles give his testimony and chopping it up on reviews and done. His brother has music available on all streaming platforms. Cry for peace. Any conversation. Some features on songs such as Safety Net and Roll Tide. He also has the two Christmas songs available on all streaming platforms, Christmas Without You and You're All One for Christmas. So even though it's not December yet, you know, still support R&B music, support the artists, support quality, auto-tune, profanity-free music, and the man Jay Styles. And look out for that solo yeah, album yeah. coming soon. Is there anything Absolutely. you like to add? You guys can follow me. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, is there anything you want to add and work in fans find you on social media? Oh, man, I just want to say peace and blessings. Everybody play, uh, stay safe. Uh, I, I, I'll preach to you and teach to you and push you to love and to be about peace and nothing but peace. And peace starts within first. Once you have peace within You'll want everyone else to have it. Follow me on Instagram at J-S-T-Y-L-Z-M-U-S-I-C. That's J Styles Music, all one word. I'm mostly on there. Um, Half the people who follow me, I try my best. If I see it, I will click and follow you back. Inbox me. Let's let's holler. Let's talk. Let's whatever. Be positive, and I'll keep you on there. All right. Once again, folks. We've had Mr. J. Styles, solo artist, musician, black street member, 
Dallas Cowboys fan and Isaiah Thomas fan on the line today. Check him out. Until the next time, be ever wonderful. Done out. Uh, this is Brock Obama. Uh, tune in next week for another episode of Reviews and Done uh, with your host, formerly known as uh, DJ Aftermath, uh, but still the slow jam king, DMV's own Derek Dunn.